back to this, the 43rd episode of the Startwell podcast. As always, I'm Kasim Virgi in the studio at Startwell on King Street West. This time around, I'm joined by a Canadian startup called Sizzle. Uh, we've got our two co-founders here in studio with us who also are married. And this is going to be an interesting conversation because I have so many questions, so many questions uh, about both of those things. About I hope they're all underhand questions, nice, easy ones, because, you know, we it, it, there, there are stigmas already that we face. So, you know, we're ready. We're ready for some, some tough ones. And we're <laughs> into it. With that, I'll have you introduce yourselves, please. Azra, go for it. All right. I'm Azra. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Sizzle, which is incredibly exciting and crazy all at the same time and super excited to be here. And I'm Adrian, CTO, co-founder, product guy, um, you know, questioner, user experience designer. Nice. So, guys, let's okay. Let's backtrack. Okay, um, you're a couple. You're married. You're a family. Uh, when you guys got together as a couple, did you know that a few years later you would be running a company together? Was this something that you always wanted to do, or is this like something that you kind of fell into? We met in the same industry, not tech, but entertainment, and we met on the premise of working together, which is oh, kind of I funny. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 And so I think it's always been in the back of our minds, but Adrian definitely is the one who pushed it forward and has been for many, many years that, okay, let's do the business. Let's do a business together. Yeah. So it really, the magic of Sizzle, that, that idea, that falls on Adrian. <laughs> No, that's sweet. I mean, uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, I've I've definitely pushed for Azra to work with me for quite some time. She is incredibly talented, hardworking, smart, um, you know, gifted, all the things that you need in a CEO. And so um, when we first started exploring the concept for Sizzle, mm. it kind of, you know, I, I was looking at, at... And when was that, by the way? Like, like how long has this company been uh, in ideation mode before... You, you said, or how long was it that you were kind of brainstorming it before you said, we're going to do this. This is a business we want to do. Yeah. I mean, it, it evolved. It started with uh, you, really. Yeah. This was in the spring, summer of 2020 when we really started exploring. So pandemic hits. Pandemic hits. You guys are in Calgary. Yeah. Okay. And we were doing real estate consulting just on the side. Wait, what does that mean, real estate consulting? So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, real estate consulting consulting is a catch-all for anything that's business related. I don't know. It's it was here's a business problem presented by it was a private equity firm that had a holding of retail spaces, of oh, okay. restaurants, of of spaces that people were once visiting and uh, patroning and and supporting. Mm. And now, you know, everybody's gone. Uh, people are having trouble paying their rent. Hey, Azra, Adrian, you know, do some research for us. Um, figure out what's happening in this space. And so Azra wrote a white paper um, that kind of started the journey. And that was like focused on real estate in Calgary or? No. So this was actually for Montreal. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And looking at especially restaurants, restaurant revival, what can people be doing at this time? Uh, Quebec had some of the stricter lockdown policies in this whole country. Yeah. So how does a foodie capital 
keep that energy alive? And what can you do? And so that's what really started us down this path of what mm. Sizzle is now, was looking at how these groups were struggling, but also trying to get creative. What can they do to make ends meet? How do they still support the community? And how do we still have cooks and food entrepreneurs and chefs thrive in this very unique situation? Absolutely. And and just to add on to that, you know, Azra's timing and background was kind of perfectly primed for what the industry needed. Um, and you know, don't hold her hold it against her, but she worked at WeWork, um, so she was really familiar with the co-working. What is that? Sorry, WeWork. I don't, I don't know that. WeWork. Oh, I don't know what that gosh. is. Well, watch the watch the mini series. I don't have a television. Well, you know, I like living in the past. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm well familiar with WeWork and and that whole story. But yeah, absolutely. So that's what brought you guys to Calgary, right? Was that you were opening up WeWork's uh, footprint in. Calgary, wasn't it? Yeah, the first one, employee number one in Alberta to to launch it. And COVID was a tough time and I chose to walk away. But like wasn't that around the time of its kind of Adam Numa plosion? <laughs> that happened right before COVID. So okay. I think it was just a combination of a lot of things. Yeah. And us really seeing, hey, what could we do? COVID and the lockdown kind of had us reevaluate our priorities. Mm -hmm. What did we actually want to do? Who did we want to work with? What's the kind of thing that got us really excited? Mm -hmm. And you see that a lot. You see that with our current customers, people who reevaluated their life priorities to say, hey, I want to work in something that actually makes me excited right. and passionate. And that's what we chose to do. We chose to leave yeah. just to leave the the corporate world and let's break out on our own so the it's kind of cool that like you were you kind of got to survey the landscape with a commission as a consultant mm -hmm. uh, and then you know what was the turning point in that analysis that said there's something for us here honestly I'll jump in here because yeah. because that white paper didn't really yield anything new it was more of a like you said it was a survey it was what's what's happening in the landscape yeah the new uh, piece came in from just talking to chefs, talking to the people who are making food, um, who were who decided to be startups and be entrepreneurial and go out on their own, and asking them, "What are your challenges? What are you? What are your problems? What are you facing today?" Because we knew that they were the ones that should be in the kitchens that were at sitting empty, mm -hmm. and and they told us it was finding space. And then uh, they told us it was making sure it was clean. Um, and then, you know, we learned quite a, quite a bit more over the ensuing year. So basically a year ago, we came across the concept of, um, not even the concept, we came across the problem that needed to be solved. Um, and then we spent, we spent the rest of the year coming up with partnerships, um, designing a product, building a team. So yeah. let's break it down. Sizzle as a software platform that connects kitchen spaces with users in short-term basis. Is that what it is? Like Airbnb for kitchens? You got it. Yeah. That's exactly it. Okay. So the it's an interesting thing because I guess what what have you found in terms of how these spaces are being provided uh, to your customers outside of your service that's about to get launched? It is a who-do-you-know industry. Okay. 
It is, I have a friend or my dad's cousins, buddies, nephews, whomever has a restaurant and they're looking for for someone to come in so they can make extra cash. Mm -hmm. It is very much the people that you know. It is Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace. Wow. It's a thriving black market of this, but there's no trust. Mm. You don't know who's coming in. You don't know how to find the right places. I would think even insurance liability issues are a big concern for landlords. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I know here in Toronto, I've, I've seen, I've talked to a few people about this too, but like as retail kind of became ghost town in 2020 and a 2021 spring, um, a lot of those spaces, landlords were still looking for long-term lets, even though they could have done short-term deals with, you know, probably the people that are your customers. Um, and to the point where a lot of you know restaurants had to fold, unfortunately, went into bankruptcy, whatever it was, owe the landlord money, walked away from turnkey setups. And I was thinking, wow, prime time for people to just start ghost kitchening the hell out of this. Landlords to become operators. But of course, they don't want to, there's the operational piece that they don't want to touch. And the like, question of, is that you know oven greasy or not? Is it working? Are all burners you know functional? Uh, then there's also that idea of like, yeah, the marketing of it and the question, I mean, this is my business, right? The question of how you uh, operate micro leases. You use the word micro lease, and I think that's where we're stepping away, mm. is that this is not your business address. This is not a rental. This is a booking for a very short period of time. We're not in the business of even monthly spaces. This is, let's lower the cost for experimentation. Let you decide if this is actually the route you want to go down. Let's get you out of you know the, the super tiny condo kitchen, uh, and let's put you in a space where you can genuinely try this out. So let's break down your customer profile. Like I was going to say, yeah, that's, that's one customer profile. That's one. Right? That's there's one. definitely more than, than that. Um, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. who are they? Like You go to the who, second. Who are the people that would be using Sizzle, and what what, what are the use cases? Oh, man. Honestly, um, if, you're, if you're making food and it needs to be for more than you and your family, then you should probably use a Sizzle-listed kitchen. Um, it, honestly, the, the use case is what is a kitchen used for? Like... <laughs> You know, so so our and and we we may not stop at kitchens. It's food production. It's it's you know how does food get onto your table? There are people who who really care about their craft. That word has come up a lot lately. I don't know why. Craft. Yeah. Um, I like it. But there are people who really care about their craft, and they're verticalizing uh, your food. They're going and growing the food. They're harvesting it. They're collecting it, and they tell a story around that. And this ties back into that total experience thing I was talking about or talking about earlier, which is, you know, we really care about uh, as a society. I feel like we're moving towards really caring about experience. Like mm -hmm. everything is, you know, food is a commodity. But when you when you build a, a story around it, when you build um, a narrative and and something that can connect people, it becomes more than. A commodity. I mean, that's where the value actually lies. It's right. not in this stuff. Yeah. Oh, totally. No, and it's interesting because I think this is a this is an opportune moment to kind of like 
shall we say, jump on the zeitgeist of, you know, valuing authentic experiences and community uh, and uh, commercializing that or making the commercialization of that accessible. Exactly. And that's kind of what you guys are doing for, for kitchens and for cooks and for um, YouTube instructionalists. And, right. And all of these people. That's it. So Thank I'm you. really interested being in the space business. I'm fascinated by um, that kind of like space provision side of things. So I have a kitchen. I list it on your service. You know, are there standard? Um, do you, I guess, how do you work with the space owners to ensure that what is being provided is standardized? Um and serviced in a way that's kind of reliable. So this is where Adrian and the product team have done a phenomenal job of really going into the details of the individual spaces on the app to make that standardized experience. So we focus on equipment and it's across the board. You know, so but does that mean that the the spaces that are listed on the thing kind of rent from the same equipment, you know, verified equipment manufacturers or rental companies, or is it that you get the information about what's there in a way that's, you know, accurate? Yeah, that's a good question, and and maybe it harkens to like what is our function in general? What is our business function? What is a marketplace? Like, what is the purpose of a marketplace? Right. Yeah. Let's let's go there. I mean, our job is to make it really frictionless for people to transact. Um, it's to make it really easy um, to get in and know that something's going to be working. And again, this comes back to having interviewed chefs. What what do they care about? And mm-hmm. then serving them what they care about yeah. uh, in order to establish that trust and, and those transactions. So, I mean, on the equipment side... We've we've started building partnerships with people who know equipment, for, with equipment repair companies, with manufacturers um, who can, who a want uh, would love to to get chefs using their equipment, mm. um, but then b who who have the knowledge. Like we know there's an ecosystem. We're operating within an ecosystem. But there are other people serving um, chefs and food makers in amazing ways, and we want to work with them. So back to what you had said also about, you know, as a kitchen owner, what do you do? It's exactly what Adrian said. It's we're allowing you to operate within this ecosystem in a way that you wouldn't have previously. And we make it easy Mm -hmm. because we're able to help you narrow down the type of equipment you have to put on the platform. We have incredible, very detailed health and safety checklists. We make sure that, you know, the pictures are up to par. We make sure that you're going to get paid properly and we make sure that the use case that works for you is the one that's discussed the most. So let's let's talk about your kitchen. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe not the best space for a massive wedding catering operation, but could be a really cool space for some of our chefs to come in and host a, a YouTube demo sure. or to do a pop-up dinner and making sure that we have those distinctions very clear and available so we can serve all sides of the market. Mm-hmm. No, I, I mean, I definitely see the kind of like diversity in the customer demand and, and you acting as more than you're kind of uh, acting not just as a, as an open marketplace, but as a kind of curator of these spaces uh, and communities like double-sided marketplace thing. Um, so are you launching multi-territory or in just like where, when you guys go live, which is also happening when, what territories are you focusing on? 
So go live is June first. Uh, we have that's kitchen. in a couple of days for for our our audience who may not know when this was published. We're just about around the corner from there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is this is happening fast. Um, we've been onboarding kitchens for the past two weeks. Um, we're we'll launch with probably forty. Our goal was fifty. So, um, but you know, there's a chance. I there's mean, a high chance. The, and this is this is this is maybe something else that people who are listening to this or maybe thinking of this starting up a business, mm-hmm. marching into the unknown is. Everything you, you have to approach it with that mentality. I know that there's the salesy aspect where you need to march ahead confident, like you know the world is just going to bow to your feet. Right, but right. On the other side, there's a real risk. Every you know, sixty percent of startups fail in the first year, thirty percent after that. It keep and it keeps going up. Yeah. Um. To to make it, you have to grind. You have to work hard, and there are risks involved. And sometimes you're gonna, you know. But you have to aim for for you have to aim high. You have to also have your targets set. So it's it's weird to have this duality, this duplicity in your mind. But yeah, what you want, and then at the same time, what's good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, what uh, so let's say you launch with forty or fifty, it doesn't matter uh, the number because it's still good. It sounds like you you have stock. Um, again, what territories are you launching in? What so cities? We're starting in the GTA. Oh, okay. uh, but really, Golden Horseshoe, uh, if we think about it, because what is the Golden Horseshoe? I'm so ignorant. Yeah, that's okay. That's you know we have Niagara and Saint Catharines all the way up to to Barrie. Oh, all around the lake is what we're saying. Exactly. Is that the Golden Horseshoe? Is that yeah. the Horseshoe yeah. Curve around? My the publicist lake? told me the term, so I've been wow. using it constantly. You have a publicist? <laughs> that's amazing, yeah. man. We're She's a fantastic. I just have a screwdriver. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then launching in in Montreal before the end of the summer. So those are the two major markets um, that we're hoping for now, and then you know cross Canada. Yeah. Let's roll it out. Let's continue to to bring this in the major regions that need it. How are you uh, approaching your market in terms of getting the people who are looking for bookings? What's the uh, what's the the access to market there that you're going for? Is it ads or are you doing something else? So we are doing marketing, but it is mind-blowing and also humbling to see how many people are seeking us out. Wow. People who have heard from someone or seen something, heard from word of mouth, and are reaching out. Hmm. Um, It's like the call I had yesterday. Lovely, lovely woman who makes Jamaican rum cakes, and she's in her 70s, and she heard about us from a friend of a friend and gave me a call, and he's like, when can I book? When can I start? This is not somebody who's going to be on you know, Instagram or checking out on Google. Yeah, They just heard about it, found my number, and there you go. And that seems to be more and more how people are even coming to us, is the demand is there. Right. But on the other side, we're also a marketplace. We need to attract people. Uh, the only way marketplace survives is if it has a bunch of buyers and a bunch of sellers. Um, and so, you know, we're also running a, a digital ad agency, um, marketing agency, and and all of the experience that we have from that si- that business, we're bringing uh, to Sizzle. So a lot of digital channels, yeah. right? Um, and and you know, making sure that you have the ability to track which digital channels are good and which ones are not worth spending money on. Because mm-hmm. we've seen businesses go down that route of oh man, the last couple of years especially like. Pay-per-click is messed up right now. It's crazy. Like, I don't know, at least in our segment, which is like five different things, right? We're in like office space, co-working, studios, 
within studios, there's audio studio, photo, film, like so many different things. But what I've seen is you brought up uh, WeWork. Okay, let's take a great example of WeWork. WeWork being this massively overfunded, you know, under planned venture that has no really approach to sustainability and its business model but somehow access to oodles of you know oil money that it can just plow in ads to try and you know satisfy this kind of like a churn uh balancing on their whatever reporting by saying hey we're signing people up so they're paying so much money to acquire these people um and the willingness to spend just to acquire a customer, even if the customer churns out, is so high that it tweaks the market for ads. Um, and again, with them, with Regis or IWG that owns them and other people in MySpace, we're finding that like a cost per click on an ad, let's say that was $2 in 2019, is now about $15, $16. Yeah. To the point where if you do the math on it, it doesn't even like make any sense. Like, Even if you kept that customer, you'd be indentured to keeping them for years right and you have to do that modeling before you start spending money on ads you have to make sure that you're covering your cost of acquisition with the lifetime value of the customer and and you don't need to know every number but have a target so that you know your target is your target leads to a feasible company um, a sustainable company um and then if you fall short of that target, you adjust. You figure out, you know, okay, do we need to try to find ways to ex- extend the lifetime value of our customer? We're anticipating, to Azra's point, because we're working with people who are experimenting, who are startups themselves, mm-hmm. um, who are trying trying this out. We're expecting a pretty high churn. You know, people who come onto the platform and don't come back after the second after the first month. Um, and and we're okay with that like that mean to me that we're okay with that because it means people are trying something have you guys been considering um the applicability of your platform for a uh, shooting space for like you know professional media production in diverse settings this kind of on location vibe absolutely it's something that has come up through user questions mm-hmm. people asking us and saying hey this is really cool, but I'm a photographer or I'm a videographer. I'm a content creator. Can I use this space? Do I have to be cooking in it? And the answer is no, right? We want to be able to provide those kinds of spaces to the people who need it. Mm -hmm. And if you need it for commercial purposes, if you need it to cook for your community, if you need it for your, your job in content to do demos, to do recipe R and D, we want to be able to make that kitchen as useful to you and your use case as possible. Yeah, there's definitely a need that that you know comes to us as well. Like there's a lot of demand that comes to us, so we only have like two shooting spaces for bar kitchen kind of. Um, and normally it's about what's happening around the action rather than the action itself. We've shot some cooking stuff. I think I sent you some links, right? You saw. Yeah. It? yeah. yeah. So we shot some stuff. You had to bring equipment in and like. Yeah. Things. Well, like luckily, one of the sets is uh, is at our studio building on Niagara, so all that equipment's there, all oh, the lighting and all. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but the point is that yeah, there's a whole different approach to kind of shooting this type of content on location, um, and a certain type of production crew that's agile, you know, like that's good at it. It's like shooting wide and getting those shots with as little space around that kitchen as possible and still squeezing in lighting somehow it's like 
it's its own world and 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 it's kind of a pain in the ass for people that don't <laughs> want to do it you know so uh, i'm sure the people that do uh their biggest pain point is finding locations so you, you're going to come in and save the day a bit that's what we're hoping for. Nice. Um, so, what's the paint the picture of the the company and what you guys set up in terms of your like organizational you know structure outside of just the two of you? What does the team look like, and how is it uh, possibly going to grow through the, the rest of the year? Amazing team. Um, just we were, we were very lucky. I, I think we were also strategic. I want to pat ourselves on the back a little bit. Um, moving to Calgary, in all honesty, um, we anticipated. I mean, we didn't anticipate. We just saw that Calgary was was really advertising their uh, their investment into technology, and so we said, "Well, we want to be there at the beginning uh, when when the industry is kind of budding and starting to really flourish." And I think it's at a tipping point right now, for sure. Really, it's been growing. It's been growing. I know there's been like money. There's, there's money available. There are people too, and so mm-hmm. that's the other. Is that side because I want to people talk. are moving there, or because people are like trained to be good? No, listen, this is the, the secret. It's the second thing you're talking about. It's okay. being trained to be good. You have um, a bunch of engineers who have gone through the boom bust, who are sick of um, the instability that that brings. Maybe they left the workforce for a little bit for one reason or another, but they're smart and they they know what hard work is and they know how to apply their minds to problems. And, uh, and the city has decided to make an investment in retraining that group of people and hmm. so so this is people from the oil patch style like people from from energy sector transitioning into software yeah different energy sect i mean yeah different engineering sectors but primarily energy um there and yeah and transitioning doing doing the change wow. to another career that really needs them right now amazon's opening up a, a building with three thousand employees and uh, it's a, like a server farm. I don't know something. <laughs> oh, it's it's for web stuff. It's not for distribution of product. Um, yeah, no, it's for web. It's servers. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I used yeah. to be in that business. Calgary's a, Calgary could be you know a pretty good place to be in the next five ten years. So, anyways, so we 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 positioned ourselves to be there, and we've leveraged some of that financing to help pay for our staff, to um, th- which we were able to train up further learn new technologies they're now contributing to the product we have a senior engineer um we have two, uh, three three juniors now um myself and then azra's uh heading it up on the go-to-market side yeah we have two currently in you know sales bd customer success and bringing on two more we're just growing constantly and uh, so is is the uh, the idea that the whole team stays in for the or are you guys are you is it one foot in Calgary one foot in your kind of target market like you know the east coast are we in the east are we in the west <laughs> we're in the east uh for all our listeners unfamiliar with Canadian <laughs> geography yeah like Quebec and, and Ontario will you have people boots on the ground here so we are fully remote and we want to keep it that way ah okay um but it is an asset when we have sales people aware of their territory. Mm-hmm. So we are being strategic with that specific hire, but everyone else, you can work from anywhere. We really want to, and we are embracing that work from anywhere ethos. And so we think that's the way the world is heading. If you don't need to be in X city or Y city, why? Mm-hmm. Why bother? Um, it's more if it's actual job requirement, which for sales or onboarding and things like that, it is. Um, so that's cool. Uh, the 
question we haven't really kind of talked about is the business model. I'm, I'm really interested from both sides of the table. So for the space operator, you know, what the incentive for listing on your platform is, the expectation of kind of what's a, what's a standard, you know, uh, rent that they can charge. I know that's not the word, but <laughs> a fee that they can charge for, for a booking. And then on the other, the flip side, you know, what are people paying? Or so, what's a willingness to pay? So we've heard numbers, hourly rates, um, anywhere from what, like twelve dollars mm-hmm. an hour up to three hundred plus dollars an hour. It really depends on the space. Um, you know, places that that might just be renting out a small prep area in their kitchen might charge ten bucks an hour, while the rest of the kitchen is operational and they can still be you know working. Um, other places where you're renting out the whole space, you might be paying more. Hmm. And um, is do you think this is something landlords are flirting with to test? You know what the reliability as a revenue stream is for those spaces that are exclusively available to single use case. I I don't think so. I think I think right now it's it's basically um, it's we have extra space. This is an extra source of revenue uh, for the kitchen. It's it's a bonus. It's so no one's really, making it into their primary revenue stream. Not today, no. And we don't really want that to be the case because we can't we we can't we'll do our best to create volume, but we can't guarantee that. We want to um, provide opportunities, solve problems for kitchens. We we want to find the win win, but um, wait till the model is being around a little bit longer and right. come back to us. I'm sure people will. I mean, Airbnb. There are people who have who have built businesses just managing and running Airbnbs. So. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a possibility, but think about the seasonality of something like an Airbnb, mm-hmm. right? You're going to have a lot more people wanting to come in and book an Airbnb on the weekend. You're going to want it around festival times or conferences. Same thing happens in the kitchen space, right? Times that are really slow, maybe it's not going to be as high in demand. Things around Christmas parties and holiday parties and New Year's, Friday nights and really, really early Saturday mornings, that's going to be prime time for people who want to do ghost kitchens. But summers, that's catering sweet spot, right? So being able to book out for for weddings and being able to do that. Farmers markets, that's, you know, springtime and summertime. Mm -hmm. It depends on their business. And that's why we can't tell the kitchen space because you don't know who your customer is going to be. And your customer can be all over the place. And so we're, you know, part of uh, what we did on the platform side to make to accommodate for that is we, we just make it really flexible for the the kitchen house. They can change the rate per hour. So peak times they can set higher rates um, because they're sacrificing a potentially lucrative time if they're in the, the restaurant industry themselves. Right. Um, if they're serving food themselves um, and, and they can charge lower rates for those hours when the kitchen is otherwise sitting empty and it becomes passive revenue for them. Nice. And, uh, are you handling payments or you get a referral check from the landlord or how does it work? No, these are hourly rentals. So everything's bookings, uh, hourly, bookings. hourly bookings. Everything is, uh, um, like credit cards. We're handling, handling payments. And then you cut the, 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 Payment back to the they connect lister. Their ba- they yes. connect their bank account. Nice. It's all like Stripe in. connected. Yeah, we don't have to do. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. So what's, uh, I guess, you know, what's involved in launching this? What's happening in the next few weeks? The next few weeks is finishing onboarding kitchens. Mm-hmm. Um, we're sending out photographers to make sure that the, 
I mean, it's our platform, That's good. right? It's we're setting the standard for what the next round of you know kind of self serve kitchens um, actually does. Um, and and we're making an investment in our early adopters, people who said, "I'm going to take a risk. I'll put my space up on your platform." Okay, well we'll we'll take a risk too. We'll put some money into your into your space, and uh, they'll get nice photos of their of their spot. They're really happy with the arrangement. So that's yeah, cool. Yeah, no, I like that because you want it to look good. You want it to be compelling, and you also need to show it in an equal light, right? Each space. Yeah. 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 Okay. So. So that's, so on, that's on the kitchen that. onboarding that's- side, and then we're. You know, working with our partners, working with some incredible chefs who are excited to welcome us into the the marketplace. People who could use it now, or honestly, people who could have used it ten years ago and see the value. Um, and we're just going out marketing, talking to people. Um, I don't know when this is coming out, but if any of your listeners are going to be in Chicago for the uh, National Restaurants Show, hit me up. <laughs> You guys, on that note, though, you were at the Canadian show last this past week, right? Yes, we were. And how did that go? What was the experience like for the first time, I'm guessing, going to a show like that and presenting something? It was incredible. It really was. Um, the energy was also really high. This was the first trade show in two and a half years. Oh, so, at the Metro Convention Center. Yeah. Restaurants wow. Canada hasn't been able to do it. And so we were hearing from a lot of people that... There was a lot more people, a lot more high energy, people hanging around more because they wanted to get back into it and mm. feel like, you know what, things are moving forward. The theme for the show this year was revival and recovery. It's how do we now go onwards and upwards. So for us to be there to show those opportunities for revival, not just for restaurants, but for cooks and chefs and entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. it was a really valuable and incredible experience for the company. Nice. That's exciting, man. I can hear I can hear the energy in, in your response. And so you're going to build on that and take that to Chicago. Yeah, I'm going to be in Chicago. Um, again, talking to people, really understanding the U.S. market as well, because that's part of our roadmap sooner rather than later. Right. And we have some incredible uh, individuals out there that we're looking to partner with. So it'll be a really amazing whirlwind time. And keep on going. We're going to be at Collision in a couple weeks after that. So you'll see us constantly. So uh, on that note, though, like, uh, you know, it's funny. I, maybe I'll go this year. I've never been a Collision because it's kind of there's. It's like too big. It's like, yeah, you know, yeah, no. I don't have a TV. Shuffle. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just, yeah, it's just the drama of, of large co- crowds being excited about, you know, start <laughs> starting up. I'm just busy running my business, you know, so I don't have I feel like I don't have time to like go and, and you know, OK, I'm going to pitch you on going. The the reason it it's it's the same energy that you just picked up on from Azra at this yeah. other show. It fires you up. It motivates you. You're like, okay, there are other people who care about what we're doing, and that that feeling is, I mean, it's definitely contagious. Like it, it trickles down to our team. We share it with you know the people we work with, and they're fired up. So I don't know. There's benefits that are maybe not as tangible or immediate, but um, definitely worth being nice. around high energy people. Um, marketing other than ads are you guys doing any cool like you know cooking show pop-ups uh, see, content series uh, uh, uh. what's in the what's in the uh, nothing's off the table let's say that nothing's off the table we yeah, want to no. launch we want to get out there but there's a lot of really cool ideas swirling around and sure. we're excited for what this could be yeah uh, i mean 
I don't know if you've noticed, but like chef celebrity is becoming a thing, um, or it's already become a thing rather. Um, and so we, we definitely see opportunities on that side as well. We're working with, you know, some great agencies and some great people, um, and, and finalizing some partnerships, nice. um, that, that, that will really, you know, it'll do two things. It'll bring in a, a caliber of chef that we'd really like to provide a kitchen to, but then it'll also kind of creates that aspirational, um, I could be that person right. uh, for, right. for the, if that the, guy can use this kitchen, yeah. I can use it. Yeah. You oh, know. for sure. Yeah. Well, I'll definitely make some connections because we, we, through the studio side of the business, definitely have some interesting food marketing companies in Toronto that we work with, uh, have worked with. Um, and I'd love to extend, you know, our couple spaces to the platform. We'll talk about that offline and look at closed another day. There, getting yes. you towards your 50. Yeah, yes. 41. Yes. And we might, for, for our viewers who like the Startwell content that finds its way onto the Startwell magazine online uh, and our YouTube channel, you might enjoy watching some food content that we can put together as well on campus through Sizzle. Oh yeah. Wicked. Absolutely. All right, guys. Any other shout outs before we uh, head off into the sunset? Shout outs. What are you guys um, looking for if any of the listeners can connect you with some value in any way? Everyone knows someone who makes excellent food. <laughs> get them to, to share the love. Go on Sizzle. Get them excited. Get people to be able to share those talents. That's honestly what it is because we all know that person that we've said, oh, that was amazing. You should sell this. You should do this. Right. And now we're making it easy for them. So let them know. I like it. Yeah, and if there, I mean, if there's some way to work with us, um, we we are, you know, we don't want to own everything. So we're friendly to to anybody in the same space. We want to connect. We want to talk. Um, figure out how to share resources, share people, share ideas. Nice. Well, it was a pleasure having you on the mic in the studio and for the Startwell podcast. And uh, I look forward to the launch and seeing what happens and uh, also uh, doing some stuff together, partnering. We love it. Thanks for having us. Wicked. It was a pleasure, guys.